Support the Dungeon Masters Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD and buy us a beer or three or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode. Your intrepid adventuring party has narrowly escaped the horde of kobolds in the abandoned mine. But now you face a massive demon with a flaming whip. He moves menacingly forward onto the stone bridge. Uh, dude, isn't this the Mines of Moria scene from Lord of the Rings? No. Uh, yeah. Uh, chapter 5, the Bridge of Khazad-dum. Gandalf fights the Balrog? Uh, no. No, this has kobolds. Oh. Uh, sounds to me like you're shamelessly uh, appropriating ideas. And that can only mean we're talking about five more habits of a good DM this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Support the Dungeon Master's Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly... We want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is with a small monthly donation, so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us to upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to Anchor, to the Dungeon Masters Dojo page, and click the support button. And now, onto this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Apparently, we uh, have more good habits. Yeah, yeah. You can never have too many good habits. Uh, so I've been told. I you, don't really believe it. But. Yeah, you at least have to have as many good habits as you have bad habits. And I have a lot of bad habits, so I need to carry around buckets of good habits to compensate for those. You shall not pass. <laughs> uh, I guess with that said, it's okay to steal ideas. Sure, sure. I encourage you to steal ideas. We've talked about this. Where do you draw your ideas from? What's your source of inspiration? Uh, customer service announcement. Please refer to episode number five. Um, there are people who make a crap ton more money than we do, or ever will, making up people, places, and things. Yeah, way more talented. Uh, and uh, if they're not using it right this very moment, well, <laughs> yeah, even yeah, we'll borrow it. Yeah. We'll give it back when we're done. Yeah, just, just minor, you know, just borrow it for a little while with minor tweaks. Yeah, and a few sweat stains, but eh, coffee ring maybe. Yeah, it's it's fine to. Um, 
you know, the, the thing of it, it, it is, is that it's as great as it is to be original. It's very hard to be original because I kind of feel like most of the really good ideas have already been, already been taken. They've already been, they've already been used and then reappropriated for a video game. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's okay to, uh, to borrow ideas from others, other, other dungeon masters or storytellers or, or, or whatever, uh, books, magazines, TV shows, those sort of things is perfectly fine. Grab a hold of those and, uh, and use them or even, even stuff that's outside of, of the genre you're playing in. There's a lot of things that can translate very neatly, you know, into fantasy and, and, and vice versa. I mean, if you, if you just change the outfits everybody wore in Star Wars, yeah, it, it'll pass for a fantasy movie. Yeah. Change them again, it'll be a Western. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's very easy to use those, those storylines and those ideas and, and translate them into other genres. And, and there you go. You have, uh, you have a story arc, you have uh, a framework or an outline for a campaign. Just put your own slant on them. Mm -hmm. When I ran, um, that game in, um, our week long, I took that from a a video game called Vanguard. Scott, you remember that game? Yeah. Uh, they had the ancient warehouse and then everything that was in that game, I kind of just put a different slant on it or twist on it inside the warehouse. So, yeah, you can do that. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it does. It does. And um, your players uh, your players probably aren't going to notice unless it's blatantly obvious. Yeah. And, and they really aren't going to care. As long as they're having a good time, nobody cares. If they do notice, just be sure to not replicate the answer or the outcome. Because if they did see it and they recognize it, well, they know a way out. And now they're going to circumnavigate everything that you've done about the, for the encounter. So, you know, you want to couch it with a little bit of, you know, like I said, change the outfits and yeah. maybe tweak it enough where the outcome has to, is altered. It has to be a little bit different. Yeah, because that's what I did with that game. I actually took the, the front half from Vanguard and I took, a, I don't remember, the, I think I called the Dragon the Sleeper. That was actually from mm. EverQuest, so I kind of mixed the two, just so there was no no answer that anybody knew. Yeah, and and as as long as it's not obvious, you know, I mean, you don't want to have your uh, your 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 party be told that they have to go drop a bracelet into a volcano, yeah, or the world's going to end, you know. But <laughs> you can use the basic concepts of of a lot of these these things. Um, a lot of my research happens in uh, B movies. B movies are great. Old eighties or nineties uh, B movies are terrific because how many people watch them? And even those people that have watched them probably forgot by now. Yeah, they forgot about them because they're really not that that memorable for their great storylines. You know, and those people are really that old now. Yeah, yeah, they are, <laughs> and we forget things a lot because of that. <laughs> Way too often. Like Bill's not wearing pants again. Oh wait. And we had to get him. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We had to we had to pull him out of the neighbor's backyard. He thought he was at Sears. I I thought it was awful cool down here. Again, <laughs> that explains why they wouldn't break my fifty. <laughs> so, what do you think about railroading characters? Uh, railroading is uh, is awful, but when necessary. You, but but <laughs> necessary. You know, it's um, railroading can be done and done well. Really, I mean, anything anything involving being a dungeon master is more an art than a science. This, this is true. Yeah, there's no there's no steadfast formula, right? 
Right. I look at railroading is like having a beer, right? So it's okay to have a beer every now and again, just like it's okay to railroad every now and again, only a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't want to make a habit of it, right? You don't want to make a habit of drinking beer all the time or any other alcoholic beverage because then you can run into problems. And the same is true for uh, for railroading. You know, railroading, if, if, if you want your party to go to a certain location, speak to a certain uh, MPC or, or have, have, uh, have an encounter with a particular opponent to further the storyline, then it's, it's okay to do that. But it's really important to make it not look like you're railroading True. the PCs. I, I mean, d- tables are diverse, right? And anyone with a Lou-like par- you know, character will soon find out that they're heading off on a wild tangent pretty quickly. If you're blessed with the absence of a Lou-like character, then guess what? You're going there anyways. It's just going to take a little longer. Uh, I can't imagine what that must be like, Bill. Uh, me either. Um, that, that's why it's blessed. got to be blessed. so easy to run oh. a table without a Lou there. Not having to worry about every 10 minutes. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's necessary. Because sometimes you got to gently force the direction of the story. But to be tactful and plan, plan it out. All right, it'll serve your your storyteller the best. All right, anticipate the potential derailment and make plans ahead of time. Allow your players to go off in different directions plot-wise because they're likely to give you a vast supply of resources and material to use for and against them later on in the story. But if you make a habit of you know, giving them the reins, they're going to pull harder. It's going to be harder to pull them back. They're going to go off rails more often. So you, you almost have to give them gentle reminders and pushes, uh, just preferably not all out railroading them. Yeah. Try to try to nip it in bud before it happens. Yeah. Nudging a little nudging. Yeah. Um, you know, a little nudging is, is, is fine because it doesn't, it doesn't make your, um, your campaign linear. Right. And, and they're going to go off the rails, uh, plan on, even if you don't have a Lou or, or a sin, (laughs) if you're listening, sin, we love you. We do, um, but yeah, yeah. There's the wild card, and then there's just played old wild. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that is, uh, I will say, and I don't want you to feel bad. Uh, I will say that you, sin, are uh, part of the reason why I can't grow hair. <laughs> um, but uh, it is. Uh, Bill, why are you laughing? Uh, yeah, I, well, yeah, I know He's I don't have any hair, but <laughs> and, and Bill has a similar haircut. <laughs> his his hairline starts about mid back like mine does. Yeah, so yep. that's why I guess Sens and my hair are still full because we're not in the chair. Yeah, <laughs> there uh, you go. There's yeah. a correlation. But we have there's the... there's something in the works. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I mean if 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 you have a uh, if if you happen to have a Lou or a Sin at your table, um, the wild card and the uh, the wild the wild contrarian the wild contrarian, um, you may need to uh, you may need to not necessarily nudge them on the rails for a little bit, but uh, throw your whole shoulder and weight into them to knock them back on, and then sit on them so they stay there for at least a little he- while. Heavily swing a railroad tie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what? How do you? How do you do that? What are some of the techniques you use to kind of pop people back on the rails for a little while so the campaign can can 
get some momentum. We act, we actually discussed this in a couple of previous episodes, but your NPCs are going to be your your greatest ally, right? They're they're what you're going to use to get them back on track. Uh, the lack of information, the lack of resources, the uh, lack of cooperation amongst the NPCs, so they aren't going to get what they want when they do decide to head off on goodness, goodness only knows where. That well, no, yeah, but we don't have that in this town. Well, I need X component or item or armor. Well, we don't have an armor right here. The next town over has one, though. The next town over is where they're supposed to be. So your NPCs, I, I see, is the number one greatest ally. I agree. I'll, I'll often use an NPC companion to kind of coax players into going a certain way to mm-hmm. further the storyline. That's something that they, um, after a while, and they've kind of developed that that trust and you know they begin to like their NPC companion. It it holds a lot of weight when there's that that suggestion, especially when a couple of suggestions in the past have panned out for them. Yeah, yeah, and and you know of course you don't want you don't want to run into the uh, all powerful all knowing NPC because your players will oh, no. will do everything they can to kill that NPC <laughs> just to. Uh, just to spite you, it's it's like it's like the Ides of March, you know, on the on the Senate <laughs> steps. They'll uh, they'll get their murder hobo on. Yep, <laughs> Caesar must die. I'll I'll drop clues or repeat story hooks too to accomplish that that same thing. Right. We talked about that in um, your campaign. Yes, or NPCs. One of those episodes. That's probably both. Both. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think sometimes when subtlety fails because. Subtlety sometimes falls on deaf ears. Sometimes. Sometimes. Depending on who's wearing those ears. What'd you say? Yeah. <laughs> it it may be necessary for a bit of Deus Ex Machina to happen. You know, you may you may have to have that enemy scout discover them to push them towards a location or towards a fight they need to have to further the story. Mm-hmm. You just may have to just step in and open the door and shove them through. I think the problem that occurs with railroading is when, when you use it frequently. Yeah. When yeah, it's a mainstay. Right. Because if, that if that's a problem and you ha- you think you have to, that might be time to sit your table down before you even open the session and go, okay, guys, this is what's going on, and it's not working. Right? Are we here to follow an adventure, or are you just here to if, – if what, all you want is a dungeon crawl, then I'll give you a dungeon crawl. If you're not interested in a story, you just want to hack on stuff and do and do dumb stuff, great. Then that's what we'll do. It makes it easier for me. I don't have to write a big, complicated story. But call them out on it before the session even begins and, and find out where their, their, their head's at. They may not even realize they're doing it. They may just say, hey, we're having a great old time. And if you don't say something, they're just going to continue to have a great old time at yeah. your expense. But sometimes it's a GM, too. Sometimes, yep. you know, if you're not if you're not careful, you can... You could kind of shove your your players into a game that in a behavior that you want them to to exhibit. You know what I mean? Like you're railroading them too much so that they they follow some prescribed course of action that you may have in the back of your back of your head, or mm-hmm. you know you're too invested in the movie. You pulled those ideas from, so you want them to play through the movie or the book or the comic yeah, you book want the them short to follow story. the script yeah exactly um there is no script people nope no uh, and if there is there shouldn't be throw throw it away throw get it away. rid of it 
Um, player agency is huge. That, that harkens back to my dislike of most of the, well, back then modules, now adventures or whatever they call. Campaigns. Although although they're campaigns, they're better now. They're considerably better now. But back in the day, it it's like, no, they had to follow that linear path. And I, I did not like that. Yeah, I I think we're going to, guys, we have, a, uh, we have an episode on these coming up. So <laughs> keep your eyes open for them. But they have their place. I'm not a huge fan. I own all of them. I don't know why. You have an issue. I do. Problem. I do. I, there's a lot of issues, really. Um, <laughs> but they're they have their place. Let me just say that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sometimes they could be. Sometimes they could be uh, really, really linear, and other times they could be too much of a sandbox. Um, but player agency is a really, really important thing in in the table and in the game. That, that drives the table. It drives the story. Yeah. It, it drives the encounters. Just don't let them drive the bus too you know, much. Too much. So I think with that said, you know, we should talk about um, don't doing things that you don't want in the game. Yeah. I We talk a lot about um, the DM and pretty much, you know, kind of being accommodating to the players, which is really, really important. But mm-hmm. you... Don't do anything in your game that you don't you don't want to you don't want to do. You want to deliver a good gaming experience to your players, and of course, a huge part of that is listening to them and giving them what, what they want. But you have to also consider what you want out of the game as well, because you know you're as the dungeon master, you're equally as important as the players. I mean, you're 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 a player in the game as well. Your role is different, but you're still a player in the game. You know, so don't ever do anything in a game you don't want to do. Exactly. I mean, I took this to mean going in directions that could make you, as the the game master, or some, even some of your players, uncomfortable. You know, yeah. in relationship to certain topics and points of view that could be off-putting to some individuals, including yourself as the game master. So, I mean, Session Zero is the perfect place for to have this discussion about boundaries and and that'll help keep things in check. And, and we've done, you know, discussions on this already as well. But occasionally, though, a player may decide to or head your story in that direction. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point because, you know, we've talked before, like you said, about the DMs kind of uh, crossing boundaries. Mm-hmm. But that's that's something players can do as well. Um, Very often. Yeah. And and that could be that could be just as problematic as when when it, when a DM does that. I mean, you. I think you, as a game master, you should be quick um, to politely and tactfully stomp the hell out of it. Yeah. Stop it. Um, if it's a side discussion and remind the player in question that you need to clean up this issue, we discussed this in session zero. This is something that makes people uncomfortable. We need you to stop it. Um, I, At least that's how I would approach it. Um, you manage the story progression and the players provide the material for you to do so which is all well and fine, but when they start going off script and you may not see it immediately, but it's been discussed and a player decides to head that direction for whatever reason, just pull them aside saying, we've already had this discussion. Yeah, that's, um, and and they, I've had players take the game to like really bizarre places, playing out some weird fantasy, and I've had to like, be like, <laughs> this is uh this isn't really the type of type of group or or, or game. Not that the we're correct playing. venue. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And sometimes, yeah, sometimes they may just have to go find something a little better suited for them. And that session zero, like you said, is huge. I mean, that's something that you should always, always take the time to have. You know, it's it's not as fun as getting in there and playing the game, but it's it's probably one of the more important things to do because that's when you say this is the type of game that we are running. You know, uh, that I'm going to run. It's going to be high fantasy, or if it's going to be grim and gritty, or 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 whatever have you, to let the players know what the 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 tone is going to be that's where all the parameters are set yeah and I, you need to enforce and stay constant on those parameters as well also i think it's um, a good time for the player to approach the gm with things that he may want to see in the game as well and maybe either you know the gm will say okay or no but it's um yeah a good time Excellent for both point. parties yep. to um to get everything out in the open yeah, you have to make you have to make concessions as a GM so that you can deliver some things within reason to your to your players so that everybody gets that experience they want, and the players too. Uh, you know, you guys out there, you, you got to make concessions to your to your GM. You know, it's one of those. It's a social contract that everybody's engaging in, so it's it's a give and take both ways. So I think the next thing we should talk about is um, you know, the GM's responsibility on checking. Uh, the PC's character sheets and uh, and everything that goes along with it, reviewing uh, their character, you know, from time to time, just to make sure that, you know, experience is, is on the up and up. Because, uh, for example, on our last getaway, um, we were sitting here talking, and I was like, hey, we're level nine. You, I think you both were like, ah, I thought you guys were level eight. But then Andrew was here, and he went out and got his character verified mm-hmm. that it was level nine. But, it, you know, that's when we verified everybody's um, experience because sometimes some guys forget to write their experience yep. down, and some guys – and I hate to say it, may may boost that experience a little bit and think they're not going to get caught. Well, the, the, the old days of first edition when you got the 10% bonus if you had all your prerequisites. Right, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's important to do that. Check on your check on those character sheets to make sure that um well how many times have we checked on on our player sheets and we're like, <laughs> "Oh, well, this guy's got a dozen magic items just kicking around. He must be rattling when he's walking. He's got all these <laughs> magic items, and here's someone at ninth level who's got like a bag of holding. Yeah, and that's it. And and this guy that's walking around with all these magic items, uh, you know, most of them he can't use, but he's got them. And most of what he's got, other characters could use and be very effective. It's it's just one of those. Um, one of those things that's really important to do because that opens it up for dialogue too. It's like mm-hmm. hey, it's not cool that you're hoarding all this, all this stuff. Uh, it, it may seem a little Big Brother ish, but it, it, it will cut off a lot of possible issues later on, like hoarding of magic um, or like where did this item come from? I I thought you lost it or sold it or gave it away to so and so. Why is it still in your sheet? Oh, oh, I forgot to give it away. Oh, until you needed it, right? And then you're going to try to use it. Uh, or your bonuses don't add up. How did you come by those numbers? Show me the math. Yep. You know, plus seven. All right, everyone else in the table has got plus four, plus five at the max. Where'd you get a plus seven? Show me the math. Uh, there are players who are more fastidious and detailed in their organiza- you know, their organization. I mean, some of them are better than IRS auditors. But no matter what the reason is, it's good to st- stay reminded of where your characters are, even if, they're, like I say, with, with the experience points and in their advance, advancement. Um, and also, is there too much magic? Like I said, it isn't just, is one character have it? What if all your characters are sitting on a dozen magic items? We don't run into that problem. In our world, we're low magic for a reason. 
uh, we would like you to fall back on your skills and your, your talents and your mind as opposed to just reaching into the golf bag. But your table might like a lot of magic, and you might be doling it out, and then you realize these guys got, literally do have the golf bag. They have 14 clubs in there, and they got something to pull out for every occasion. You might want to try to call that back. Yeah, and checking in with just the, the players is equally important too. Um, you, know, you take the first, like, 15 minutes of a, a game session and just be like, hey, how's it going? Are you happy with what's going on? Is mm-hmm. there something you're you're hoping to see? And uh, I, I think that that goes a long way towards building that that trust and that relationship between your players at at, at the table and and you as the the GM because it really is important to deliver a lot of 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 what they're looking for and and you can you know you imagine managing a lot of personalities at your table yeah. and everybody kind of wants something a little different. You know, you may get a, you may get a player that likes just wants to, you know, he wants he wants a John Wick adventure, <laughs> um, and then you may, you may want someone who wants a little more, a little more role play, you know, a little more masterpiece theater in there, and you could do all that stuff. You know, you can you can dole out something at the buffet line that everybody likes to snack on, by having these little discussions maybe once a month or once every other month is, is 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 a good practice i think towards building towards that well the your entire scenario is an org it's an organic creature i mean you, you as the dm are sitting at the head but there's a whole lot of body behind you and that's your players and sometimes the body decide which way the head's gonna go uh, you got to rethink it and and nudge yeah. them back and and you know corral them back in the line but you can't ignore them you can't have the head without the body yeah, absolutely. So listen to what they say and do the best you can to incorporate what they're looking for. Everyone's going to have a good time. Some sometimes I think it's necessary to uh, have another session zero. I don't know if you would call it a session zero because you already had one. Maybe a zero point five. That's even a thing. But if yeah, you we we've done well, I've actually done this before and had okay. Uh, we're having a refresher. All right, here's the high points, here's the low points. Yeah, does everyone remember this person, that person? Here's some names, here's some places. Um, if you recall, you're supposed to be going for this. You've acquired these three items, but you need two more. And I've spent a good 15, 20 minutes doing this, just out of the clear blue sky, usually before we start back up. It's usually um, sparked by someone going, what were we going after for? How many how many things do we have? That's usually the one person who doesn't keep any notes. But it's good to remind somebody, no, we're not looking at you, Lou. We just both happen to be stretching our necks in that direction. Okay, so let's move on then. <laughs> Sometimes you may have to speak with a player individually too. There might yeah. be a player that needs to pull you aside and go, Hey, um, you know, I was kind of hoping that we get a little little of my backstory in there. Is is that something that's going to happen? Is that something we could do? Is is this uh, part of my my story? Something that can fit within the within the campaign? Or I'm kind of having a an issue with with this, or I'm having an issue with you know that player. You know what are you, what are your thoughts on that? And um, you know that you you may have to have that one on one discussion with someone because they're they're not comfortable bringing it up. At the table, they may Correct. come to you. You have to be available for for that sort of thing. Yeah, a little meeting before the the game and after the game. Yeah, and we've always done that, and that's usually where a lot of these things will come up. Um, they will happen naturally, usually. 
uh, where they, they said, well, I, I was kind of hoping about this. And is there any way you can move me to the other side of the table? Because this, this guy over here, it's not that he bothers me. It's just, there's just something about him that, you know, whatever it may be, it's, it's, it's not a problem, but I think I'd be more comfortable over there. Yeah. And that's fine. And that's yeah. fine. You know, you do what you got to do. If you're using assigned seating, then you might have to change it. Um, our guys usually just come in and just sit down. Yep. And they eventually sit in the same spot every week, even go, hey, whatever chair's open, go ahead and grab one. They always seem to sit in the same spot because they want to sit next to that person and, and harass them. That's what Lou does to me. I know. He sits Monday next nights. to you. He complains incessantly about how you pick on him and vice versa, by the way. But you two always sit next to each other. That's weird. The devil you know is better than the devil, devil you, you don't. don't. I say that all the time about <laughs> you, Scott. <laughs> so I guess let's talk about finding a GM style and sticking with it. This is an interesting one. It is. Um, developing a storytelling style is, I think, two things occurring at the same time. Number one, it's it's nurtured with time and gaming experience. The, the more you do it, the more comfortable you become, the more you learn, and you start devi- developing a way to present your monsters, present your encounters, describe what's happening. At the same time, some of this is inherent. It's based on your, the personality of the storyteller, how they normally would tell something, even in an everyday conversation. So I think you have their, their, pers- their natural persona blended with, the gaming experience and you mix these two together and that becomes your style. Yeah. And once you, once you have it, I think it's really important to stick to that. It's, it's, um, it's perfectly fine to hone your skill and try new things. But if you, if you're, you're, you're constantly changing things up, your players are going to be kind of thrown off a little bit. They're going to be a bit confused. Yeah. They're not going to know what the expectations are. They're, they're, yeah, they're just going to be confused. And then you get, you know, whispers between them. All right, well, I wonder which Scott's going to show up this week. Yeah. What? You have something to say, Lou? <laughs> you had that look on oh, your face. Oh, he had like, that look. I, Let's hear it. No, I did have something to say, but I, what right I was going it. to say, not what you thought I was going to say, but that that's kind of where I think my problem is because I try to take a little bit of Scott, a little bit of Bill, and a little bit of Mike and a little bit of Tom, and I try to mash it all together. It doesn't work well for me. I have to find my own style, which I I mean I am working on. Um, but like you said, when I take a little bit of everybody, it's confusing as all hell because you guys, you know, the bar is way up here, and um, I'm trying to take the best of everything, and it's kind of hard to make it all fit perfectly because you guys each have your own style. Yeah, there's diversity amongst the different yeah. game masters. Very, very much so. And if, yep. when you try to mash them all together, it doesn't work out so well, I find, sometimes, because it's not really mine. I think it's like being an educator. Um, you know, you have to, You have to when you're an educator, you're it's like 90% entertainer, 10% educator. You know, you have to bring that knowledge in, but you have to be entertaining to do it. You have to kind of be okay with... Um, be okay with putting yourself out there and maybe making an ass of yourself a little bit. Yeah, sometimes you got to be a little goofy, but they'll yeah. remember the goofy, and hopefully they remember what you're saying while you're being goofy. Again, you guys are staring at me. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no reason. You always look like you're about to say something. I was thinking. Well, think out loud. Dangerous sometimes. Yeah, and 
and to your point where you're you you know you're plucking things you like from other other game masters i think that's that's important um it's important to take those things that you like from tables you've sat at from people you've talked to from people you've uh listened to or or observed you know watching on youtube there's tons of live play stuff out there tons and tons and tons um but you can get a lot from that you know you listening can. to to those podcasts we have our favorites or watching you know them on youtube or whatever have you but the key is to take those things you like and uh integrate them into your own style of of running a game yeah don't emulate it exactly you use it as a resource and go okay but this is how i would do that it's similar to theirs, but not exact. And I think that's how you develop your own style. And that's right, because when I first started, or a couple times I did do it, I was trying to be exactly like Bill, Scott, Mike, and Tom all rolled into one, and it really wasn't mine, so it didn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you never want it to feel forced. Or fake. Or fake, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the great thing about trying something is if it doesn't work, you can just stop doing it. Which I did. That's why you're still running. <laughs> yeah i mean i find one of the good resources uh to gauge how the play is going is listen to your players after gameplay or before that the gameplay starts the week you know the next week what did they remember from the week before yeah. and that's what they're talking about and whether it's good bad or ugly it's been filtered through the course of the entire span whether it's a week or two or with the last time you got together it's been filtered by time what did they remember now, if they're all out there laughing, pointing, oh, that was, oh, you did this, and that was great, and I can't, oh, remember how you, you know, leapt over him and, and cut him halfway through, and, you know, okay, they had a good time. But listen, just sit up, just sit back and listen to what they're talking about. I think that would be a truer form, an assessment of how your table was, was running, rather than them speaking directly to you. Listen to what they're saying to one another, because that, that's what I've always tried to do. And that's a really reliable gauge. As well, and it's hard for me because I'm always talking. So to be for me to just shut up for a couple of minutes is, is know, not it's easy. Got to be so hard. I'd like start quivering <laughs> and along with through withdrawals. But you practice and refine your good points and try not to repeat the bad ones. It's 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 as, pretty much as simple as that. Yeah, but find it and stick with it. Yep, and be consistent. All right, so to wrap things up, there's always something to do when you're responsible for providing the story and scenario for others to play. This is the mantle you have taken up as the Game Master, but with a healthy dose of inspiration, a big portion of preparation, and a touch of character maintenance, your table, your story, and style will fit right into place. And those are five more habits of a good DM. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.